Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me I'll be training for you It's May 31st, 2023. This is episode 57. And, um... I realized that uh, I had not, to this day, after many, many years of um, of of it being a, a foundational workshop that I would teach formally and informally over so many years now, going back to my late twenties is when it when it really got formulated. Uh, but basically, a uh, a very um, essential, no BS, very accessible, uh, striking, combatives, self-defense, kind of a mini course that could be taught in literally 10, 15 minutes, even with strangers on the street, which I've even done. Um, but it's like, the to me the most fundamental bare essential toolkit for any human being to understand the body mechanics the fulcrums the angles and then probably most importantly in in the interest of the concept of a sustainable way of fighting way of defending yourself is actually knowing knowing a formula that utilizes the, the, the general concept that you will use a hard weapon on a soft target and a soft weapon on a hard target, generally meaning that you don't want to destroy your striking tool. You don't want to say necessarily, if you can avoid it, smash your your very delicate uh, knuckles and, and and thereby delicate um, wrist cartilage and and bones etc you you don't want to sacrifice them striking a a very immovable very dense and hard thick like skull target if you if you can avoid it so for example that's that's one example of of let's say a where you would um, you would opt for invoking the principle of a of a softer weapon on that harder target, i.e., a hammer fist or a palm strike, which I will get to later. But that's that's um, that's that's that application. And then, if you were to let's say, if you were to punch the kidney, 
yeah, it could it could make sense to use um, a closed fist. However, I'm at a point in my teaching where I just feel like um, knuckle strikes are just ill-advised because of the, the risk of missing, of hitting a block, and then just being um, immobilized and in pain. Whereas if you would have slightly angled differently to generate a palm strike or a hammer fist, you would have avoided that uh, injury. So... I guess kind of a side note, um, but uh, let's say a uh, a soft target with the with the hard weapon, um, yeah, a, a knee or an elbow or an instep to the groin, <laughs> you know. So that's the other the the other uh, the converse um, application of that concept. So. These are some of the general concepts that went into thinking about how do you have a sustainable, how do you how do you understand the st- potential weaponized striking surfaces of the human body, from head to toe, um, that do not require a lot of tra- a lot of uh, expert training, that aren't very difficult to deploy, and that also don't don't aren't uh, reliant on fine motor skills. Because the concept of of street self-defense or um, non-sportive, non-theatrical combat really is that uh, you're gonna you're gonna be adrenalized. You're gonna have tunnel vision. You're gonna lose fine motor motor control, and it's basically like you have frostbite. You know, for most for most people, unless you are, I mean. Even even if you are a master, even a martial arts master of all these very finely tuned, high motor skill finesse techniques, a lot of martial arts masters have never been in a real adrenalized street fight. It's all been in the studio or the dojo or whatever. So it can all go out the window depending on the circumstance. So yeah, it's always, I mean, it's always great to be a martial artist and to develop all those fine motor skills. But, but, but without a baseline that you train vigorously that you can fall back on if you lose all that uh, under, for whatever reason, um, this is what I was talking about. And this is what, for me, was, a, was a, it's an application of my, the peak of my studies of Jeet Kune Do, both with... Um, lineage students of Bruce Lee himself and in my own studies, my own meticulous studies, it wasn't just watching the movies, but it was actually reading the manuals and the books and applying the theory and the practice and actually um, being an autodidact where I wasn't able to train in those places where I I didn't, I would have liked to have trained for many more sessions over many more years with uh, with the the fellow Jeet Kune Do um, masters that I did train with, but there were yeah maybe one other fellow student, a couple fellow students, and then a couple of instructors. I guess you could call them masters, but it's that's not really the point. Uh, certainly in Jeet Kune Do, it's not about it's not really about trying to have all these different colored belts but um point being working with them and doing my own study and then having most 
most uh, prescient for me was having lovers and feeling like I can't, I can't care about somebody. I can't, I can't be in love with somebody if I feel like they don't have the tools of of at least basic self-defense, if not more. And if and if we don't make it a um, part of our courtship, part of our romance, part of our our ongoing maintenance of our of our love project that we do training together and uh you know some people were more more into it than others um in my in my romantic life over the course of all the years but uh, at least i knew that i um wasn't negligent in that department and that i was um that I was delivering that, even if you know we, even if we dated once, or we're just friends, or I were friend zoning each other for whatever reason. The point is, if I if I encounter someone, certainly not 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 every dude am I gonna. Yeah, some dudes I'm gonna train with, but not not all of them are gonna be into it. But if like if I have a woman enter my life friends or or lovers I'm going to want to train with them that's what hanging out is going to mean at least at least once or at least once in a while or maybe once in a while and that's the point of making it something where it's like you can you can learn all you can learn these techniques very quickly you can learn them all in one sitting and then they're with you for life and if you want to carry on with them and train with them daily as you as you probably should certainly I have to varying degrees of intensity, but um, they're all very well ingrained in me. But I don't, <laughs> I don't let them get too rusty, and and you know I don't I don't pound on a wooden man the way I did every day, ten years ago. But um, you know do a little more shadow boxing at this point. But uh, point being, this was the philosophy behind it. This was the context behind it. I was at the peak of my of my Jeet Kune Do. Um, journey and uh hey maybe i'll have another peak someday (laughs) hopefully it's not because i have to really apply it in combat maybe it will be because of that and then i'll have to be it'll either be the peak at least that was the peak of my daily practice of being a major enthusiast and um and there, there were a lot of reasons for that. It wasn't just because uh, I had all that energy to spare in my 20s and to some extent early 30s, but it was also because of like, uh, I would call it a sort of high risk um, lifestyle or not lifestyle, but profession, a high risk uh, industry that I was in. And so protective services and being vigilant and having that level of um of fitness and that level of combative uh, wherewithal it was uh it was essential to to surviving in the industry that i was in um and so uh, yeah it was basically occupational hazard went with the territory it was a necessity more than a hobby at that time and um not so much anymore but if I were if I were back in that mode in that industry, I would certainly be training uh, 
as, as vigorously as I, as I can now, probably nowhere near what I was able to get at 10 years ago, just in terms of the arc of your, your energy as, as, uh, as aging sets in. But, but yeah, no matter what age you are, th- this, these, uh, combatives are going to, because of that formula of not necessarily, um, I mean, in street self-defense, there's no such thing as fighting dirty. It's about surviving and, and striking vulnerable targets so that you can get away. Not this, it's not a game, it's not a sport. No one's trying to, you're not trying to impress anybody. You're not trying to teach anyone a lesson. You're trying to survive and get out of there. So you don't need... It's not about muscles. It's about it's about accuracy and and will and timing and aim and targeting and th- those are all things that do not rec- that that are very independent of age and very independent of size and strength and mass. But they do require um, hand-eye coordination and 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 agility, flexibility fitness certainly things that are what a well-rounded human being should be competent and 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 maintaining period um and part of yeah part of overall fitness and health should be self-defense training regularly so that's a lot of uh with all of that sort of meta-narrative said the background and the theory and the or the sort of uh, the philosophy of it um because I have not, I've always taught this face to face. It's going to be somewhat awkward just trying to uh, be systematic in enumerating all of the the strikes. I'll probably meander a bit and maybe miss one permutation or have to go back, so it won't be perfect. Um, but uh, but yeah, let me see how I can how I do with uh, going from head to toe. So basically. I would consider the head having four basic striking surfaces not the not the not exactly the flat forehead but slightly above it at the rounding the rounding edge between the top of the head and the forehead obviously because striking with the forehead, it, likely you're going to smash your own face, so you want to give it a little bit of an angle. Um, and then, obviously, all these things I would be using uh, focus mitts or what they call them, but basically pads that you hold in your hand, kind of like baseball mitts, but focus pads, focus mitts, so that you could, so that my students would be able to apply the the the, the strikes. So. Yeah, with the sort of um, the front, the front upper edge of the forehead as a as a strike that gives you of all of the of all of the angles to strike with the head, it's probably the the safest because the other angles, which would be the sides of the head and then the back of the head, you have far more risk in terms of the density of the skull in those places of actually knocking yourself out or injuring your own injuring yourself 
So I will make a medical and legal disclaimer here that this is not medical advice. This is for educational purposes. Consult with your physician and consult with your professional, local, contracted self-defense instructor before you go out. And obviously, the the, the uh, this should only be used for defensive purposes. And this is not. You're not. I'm not issuing you a license to kill or hurt anyone. Um, this is for self-defense by the letter of the law in your jurisdiction only and for training purposes so with that said yes it can be generally said that uh, striking with a forward headbutt is going to be as long as you are careful not to smash your own face probably the safest in, in, in a sense of how much force you can apply without risking harm to yourself, it's going to be more force through that angle than the sides or the back. But if you're being bear hugged or someone's grabbing you from the side, depending on the height and the angle, a soft target is to break or to irritate them into um, dissuasion by smashing their nose and better their nose and not getting your head caught in their teeth um but uh again reasons to be to be wise about targeting but you've got we would drill the back of the head you could do the sides of the head but certainly the forward head but and then that kind of gives you from head to toe that's the those are the striking weapons of the head and then just going down the going downwards down the body then you get to the left and right elbow which the elbow has i would call it three um sub weapons or sub surfaces which would be the point of the elbow the the front of the elbow and the back of the elbow and in training, you discover the best um, ergonomics and, and angling in order to get the maximum force between those three points. Um, so where you're hitting the target not too far, not too close to the point of the elbow and not too far up the arm, but at a certain range that you can feel the body mechanics really um, delivering the maximum potential power into the into the pad, the focus mitt. Um, so, really, a lot of the magic happens with training and getting those angles right. But getting back to this um, the schematic here, so you get to the elbow, the three angles of the elbow, and then. In deploying, in deploying those uh, those angles, you obviously have several multiple dimensions of motion that you can be moving that moving the surfaces of the elbow with. And so, if you can bear with me, use your imagination a little bit. There's the notion that you can be moving vertically. Or you could be moving horizontally 
with with the angle of that elbow so basically you're you're either you you either have your um you, your starting point would would be if you're going vertically you're either either you're, you're um let's say you're you've curled your forearm and fist up so that they're so that your forearm and fist are up towards the top of your shoulder and your elbow is at rest at rest um next to your waist and that that would be the sort of the the chambering the staging area for either going for a lateral or sideways strike or for a vertical up and down sort of strike so logically starting with from that starting ready position you could deliver an upward frontal strike that would be kind of like an uppercut so the target would be for example someone's jawline or if you were on in a kneeling position that you could be then striking the groin for example uh in that sort of frontal upward motion using the the front of the elbow not the not the point of it not the back of it but you're striking in that in that upwards frontal angle and then while while uh going back to that ready position the next logical is to go backwards to where let's say you were um being bear hugged then you would be driving the back of the elbow into the gut or the groin of someone who would be trying to um to 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 hold you from behind and then another permutation of that is let's say you are uh on the ground let's say you're on you're say you're in a kneeling position or you're going to the ground or you're in 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 any other context where where it makes sense that someone's actually a target is actually above above your back then you could actually imagine you're not only you're not only striking directly backwards but you're also taking that strike further up and it's at, and you're and you're striking with the uh with the back of the elbow but at an upward not just a directly backwards or directly behind you but at a higher at a higher point so it's upwards and back beyond just a sort of um directly straight back okay so that that would be that those would be the three main vertical angles again the sort of forward front frontal uppercut strike to the groin or to the chin per, per se and then the straight back to the gut of a bear hug or back and up 
to a target if you were getting up or going down, for example, but the target is, is, uh, is, is above you and not just directly behind you. And then moving on from there, you have the side, side, sideways attacks where similar concept, someone is typically behind you or beside you, you would be raising, raising your elbow up to a right angle so that now the fist that was uh, pointing up, now it's pointing inward and, um, and, and sideways laterally. And now your elbow is free to fly backwards. You can poke it outward sideways and that would be covering those, that would be covering those angles that are to basically to your either left or right side but those are your those are your, the angles to the to your to the back and to the to the side and also with the with the um at any at any point if it makes sense to to jab and with the point of the elbow it's always you're it's always available to do that for the for the purpose of training and having a sense of for me working with students and having them develop these ranges and knowing what not to overlook that that's the that's the the general backward sideways range to be training with and then obviously the next application at that sideways angle is forward a forward strike for someone who is within that range and who you can strike with that front of the elbow and um, this is one of the most devastating weapons that you have it can it can be delivered with extreme force and it it is one of the most resilient to injury of all the striking surfaces. That pretty much covers, of course, you apply that um, across both sides, the left and right. But that pretty much covers the elbow and the three surfaces of the elbow. The, again, just the sort of general use of the spike of the elbow. In, in my studies, that the uh it's it's rare that that you would it's it, the risk of injury is higher and it's rare that you would even get that angle so the places where i've seen in my studies where that has been applied in training is like if you were if you were trying to escape from someone who was holding you down and they were they were below you that you could use your body weight and sort of spike them with the elbow uh, with the point of the elbow going downwards. Um, that's just one, that's just a kind of a side note. But uh, for the most part, in terms of delivering it as a strike, it tends to either 
be a thrusting backwards or a thrusting forwards and that's going to be either more verti- more horizontal than vertical or vice versa but the um but the application of the point to the elbow it's it's limited and 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 has has its limitations and has limitations of application and and, and limitations of uh of force even so that's that's probably all all there is to say uh, briefly about striking with the elbow moving on further down getting to the weapons of the hand starting at the at the at the the palm the 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 deliberations that I had uh working with my my fellow co-creators of this this sort of micro system if you will we decided that uh the heel palm often called either heel palm or palm strike that that was in the way to achieve that is to either have a a right angle of the fingers facing upward at a right angle to the to the forearm and the wrist or to have the fingers um clenched downward so that you kind of have like a a retracted claw now that's also an option for the palm strike so either 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 fingers pointed straight up or or flexed down but mainly the point being that because you want to make the the uh the striking surface be the the heel of the palm you don't want, you want to angle your your fingers back and 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 situate them in a way that they're not going to be the they're not going to be striking the target preferably and they're not going to be in the way and they're not going to get injured as you deliver full force with the with the heel of the palm and and so that's just the the uh getting into the formation of having that heel palm or palm strike tool and then the angles of the palm strike typically is just a jab so jab would just be snapping out in front it could be it could be snapping out to the side it could be a hook more of a hook like motion but for the most part it's going to be more of a of a snapping for a snapping directly either forward or to the side or or whatever um sort of a jab angle you want to take but it's a very direct application of force with the front of the of the palm the the front and the heel of the palm with the fingers either again the fingers situated so that they're just out of the way as safely as possible and angled backwards as much as 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 much as you can comfortably stretch and that's pretty pretty self-explanatory obviously striking the face you want to be avoiding places where you could get cut and the teeth 
but the palm strike to pretty much any hard target is advisable and then the more versatile I would say and often the more powerful and the more multi-dimensional is the hammer fist which get which allows you many more angles and many more dimensions of um it's it's more of like a uh, a mace or a ball and a chain than the the more direct jabbing um palm strike effect i feel like you can get you can generate more force and you have more more angles of attack so similar to what you would be doing with the the elbow strikes you have again let's say starting from that ready position of your elbow at your waist and your your fist at your shoulder you've got with the with the uh with the hammer fist you can go you can kind of you can hammer out directly in front like you're pounding on a door <laughs> or you can go downward like straight down like you're dropping a hammer straight down or you can go back that would be typically striking the groin of someone who's got you in a bear hug so you can go straight back or again you can kind of go back and up similar so this is basically an extension of this is more of the extension of all of the angles of the elbow but whereas you wouldn't necessarily be throwing a palm strike you're gonna hold that fist and you're gonna throw that fist out as the extension like a ball on a chain of all those angles that the elbow was going in before so that gives you all of the sideways all of the all of the sideways uh, striking points including now whereas you could only get so far throwing the elbow sideways and inwards versus sideways and back or out now you've got the the angles of the hammer fist where you could be throwing that out sideways directly to the side or sideways at an angle to the back across that whole range but you can also be throwing that inward hammer fist across the center line of the body to a target that is either to the left or right depending on which arm you're using so you have inf you have so many more uh possible applications of the hammer fist and and to describe what it is is ba basically you are making a fist but you're not striking with the knuckles you're striking with the the what some people call the meat the heel basically the bottom the bottom of uh like if you were starting with a, a chop like let's say you were starting with the, the the quintessential karate chop where your fingers are all pointed directly outward then what you what you're not going to be chopping with the fingers you're going to be chopping with the side of the palm in that chop so just it's like a karate chop but where you 
but where you curl all the fingers inward and form a fist but instead of striking with your knuckles you're striking with that side and and base of the uh the side of the the side of the hand and the base of the palm and tilting slightly upwards towards your basically making the fist if you were to um if you were to make a fist and just throw a, throw a punch out that's um where your where your thumb or your thumb is able to point directly upwards and not to the side so so throw throw a fist out and then and then bring your the top of your fist back towards you that is going to help to when delivering the hammer fist if that to angle it up so that you're you're favoring the impact on the meat of the the heel of the hand and the side of the hand and not and just ever slow ever so slightly angling that back so that you're ensuring more impact on that softer tissue and not on the knuckles and and less on the side of the hand and more on the heel of the hand so that the hammer fist to me it's one of the most again versatile and powerful tools you've got the forward angles the backward angles the sideways angles the inward and outward so training those across both the left and right and then moving on with the hand we figured out that uh, there's a few permutations that are worth training as far as weaponizing the fingers and um, starting with a claw strike where you can now make a rake a very rigid and strong sort of um, taking that that palm strike position and taking and making the um, whereas the the fingers were sort of flexed uh, totally inward this would be allowing them more of a more of like a rake where they're now they're now more of a more like a right angle you're not the the your second knuckle being well basically like you're grasping uh more like you're grasping uh, a grapefruit like that that sort of uh angle of the knuckles of the hand is giving you a claw and that claw can then be used to rake it's grisly but if you have to defend yourself you got to defend yourself but to rake that across the face can be the difference between life and death or assault versus evasion etc so that can be 
that raking action of the claw hand can be deployed and that's not going to be so much about force that's going to be about targeting the face and raking it mainly across the eyes so it's not so much about you can train that in any direction, in any angle, but it's not so much about those gross, blunt strikes of the, of the hammer fist or the elbow, etc. This is more about the finesse of targeting and raking. And it's, it doesn't require maximum delivery of force. It's more about the scratching and the, and the raking effect. Another formation would be flicking with like the action of um, of opening a fan. So the 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 uh, the um, analogy would be those now very vintage post now in the eight in the in the air conditioned world climate control world we don't see these too often but in the uh in the ancient world or the pre-modern world you had fans and fans would open up and flick out and so if you can imagine that fanning out motion that you have a very relaxed like loose rag of a of a of, of, of a wrist and fingers and then you can flick the wrist and fingers in a fanning motion across the eyes and flick at the eyes leveraging the momentum in that fanning motion and then that can be very dissuasive to say the least so between the claw and the and the fan flick you have weapons to dissuade an attacker by striking one of the most vulnerable targets which would be the eyes and then another tool is what's called the spear hand where you kind of um you would put your your let's say you 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 put your thumb and the, your fingertips together and then and then draw your your thumb back keeping your fingertips not not as uh not as tightly closed together as they would have been when all of your your thumb and your your fingertips were were connected but as you draw your thumb backwards you're you're still maintaining pressure uh between and amongst your fingers so that you're they're, they're reinforcing and supporting each other and add a little bit of a flex to the knuckles and now you have this spear hand which is mutually reinforcing the the ring and middle fingers typically as the as the points of contact and again flexing the knuckles so that you don't end up hyperextending or or jamming them when you hit a target but the ideal would be the striking target for that. It could be the eyes or it could be the the center of the neck between the collarbone as a as a pressure point and the throat, a point of attack. 
that if yeah the spear hand against that target could give you that moment of um could could set them back and give you the the, the avenue of, uh, of of escape at that point um so yeah it's not something where you would throw a lot of force obviously you don't throw a lot of force into the pads with this this is a this is a very vulnerable very sensitive target to 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 strike with a spear hand because you're risking jamming your 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 overextending hyperextending or jamming your your fingers again we're trying to be sustainable with these weapons but if you but they're good to know and good to train with and you just remember not to put full force into that this is for the throat or the eyes generally anything involving the fingers you're going to go for the softest targets the throat or the eyes and not just that they're soft but that they're they're the, the least if these your your weakest weapons this is sort of a auxiliary to that soft to hard, hard to soft. It's it's these uh, these weapons. The fingers have got to go. You don't want to sacrifice them on hard, immovable targets. But they're not necessary. It's not they're, they're not necessarily hard. They're they're and they're not soft either. They're just fine instruments and they're delicate. So put them in the category of using those finger weapons at the most vulnerable targets and obviously there's other places where you could apply the claw <laughs> that are that are further down below the belt uh that's needless to say i'm not even gonna get into biting and scratching and grabbing those are so intuitive and i don't really consider them necessarily um strokes uh, for striking where you train the body the body mechanics however there are great methods to develop grip and um for example there's ancient kung fu training methods where you would uh have fire heating up a uh, a giant metal bowl of sand and you would practice your claw hand techniques by grabbing that sand and whatnot so that's one example, but other than that, you can think of a, stress balls. There's all kinds of ways um, to. There's like those uh, sp those spring uh, grip exercise tools. Obviously, just simple stress balls and all kinds of other ways. But just to have a, a firm grip and a claw grip, there's obviously lots of ways to develop that. And that's not so. That's something that once you're on target, it's going to be about having the strength in your hand to do that not so much delivering power from your hips and fulcruming that like a baseball bat and striking with that that's going to be more once you're at the target the application of a claw and grabbing at that point um so yeah that covers the uh the sort of blunt striking tools and the fine striking tools of the hand and so moving down from that the next from head to toe uh, weapon that you have is the knee which is not so much the kneecap itself but more the sort of um, this rounded edge above the knee when you raise your when you raise your leg up and you raise your knee up and you were if you were to rest your palm on the top of um, 
on 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 the the edge of your of the top of your thigh going down to the kneecap that where your palm is resting is really where you want to be striking with with knee with the, with the knee and typically that knee is going to either be towards a head that's for whatever reason lower to the ground or more typically that knee is going to go straight to the groin and so training for that groin strike but just there's not too many there's there's not there's not too many angles that you can get confused by with training striking with the knee i mean there there is a you could you could throw it out side to the side um but that's going to be i mean that's great there's a place for that but typically it's going to be deploying straight up into the groin or generally straight up into let's say if you had if you were uh, if you had someone by the hair and you were able to strike them into the face again this there's nuance of legality when it comes to at what point at what you have to consult with your jurisdiction and your stand your ground versus not stand your ground all these different things because for example what we're going to get to in a minute there there's um there's always there's always a nuance to any application of force so like if you if you if you're at a point where you've got somebody where it's possible to knee them in the head then there's a question are they i mean this is this is where it gets this is where it gets into the weeds with with the the nuances of of um the concept being um that the force is justified that it's balanced that uh that it's an it's an it's an equally appropriate amount of force that you're applying to the situation and as far as i'm concerned if it's if your life is being threatened i don't want to make this this is not legal advice this is not this but i would say this is tactical advice if not legal advice it, the advice would be to consult with your local laws but if you are not excessively stomping someone's head into the pavement by whatever human or otherwise striking tool that you have available if they are making an effort to restrain you and they are not made unconscious by your blunt strikes until they are unconscious or they have let go of you and you have been able to escape i'm not putting this in any by the book legal terms but i would say for the for the because we're at this point of the very powerful knee strike weapon if you were to be struggling with someone to where you could then 
raise your knee and be able to target their head and hopefully dissuade them before a result before causing them to be knocked unconscious that that would be inappropriate if they were unrelenting in their assault and battery upon you that it would be I would hope in most if not all jurisdictions within the scope of self-defense to be applying a knee strike to the head but you need to consult with your, your, your legal professionals in your jurisdiction on that matter I just say that when you get into um the um it's no longer punching there's there there's there's a sort of cultural and medical uh dimensions of where if you were there's more force that can be generated by the legs typically and the angles and gravity can be leveraged in ways to where the just the legal jeopardy is the medical and legal the medical consequences and therefore legal jeopardy that's where you want to start thinking thinking ahead you won't always have the opportunity in the moment to be thinking through this so it's just good to have that awareness and to train to your jurisdiction in advance so that's more more of a, a sidebar than i wanted to to put in but it's worth it's it is always worth that extra precaution and that extra in the arc of violence realizing how do you train leading up to the acute moment of violence and then what are the consequences afterwards in the arc of violence how are you going to explain the the tool that you that you applied and how you how and what was the logic that you trained if you were falling back to training, all these things you're going to have to explain in various states, at various times, in various contexts. So it's important to think about that. So with that said, yeah, there's not too much... It's, there's, there's not a lot to be confused about deploying the knee just that there's not really like a like it's unlike the elbow it's not really conducive to the point of the knee so much although that there are times when that can work but but more often it's it's an upward thrust with with the knee a sideways or upward but generally generally upward thrust with the top of the knee and not really the point of the kneecap and not really um a a striking weapon obviously if you're kneeling on someone your weight is being transferred through the top of your shin but that's not really a a, a striking weapon that you would train throwing at a pad so with all that said that pretty much covers what you do with the knee and then there are two or three actual three more weapons that all involve angles of the foot um, so the first would be 
The first in terms of um, going from head to toe is the end step, which is, it's not a word we typically, um, we typically encounter, but the end step is considered this sort of span um, from, let's say, If you if you were to consider basically the tongue of your sh if you're wearing shoes, it's basically where the tongue of your shoes are. It's obviously it's not the it's not the toes, it's not your shin. It's like the instep is basically what 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 generally the tongue of your shoes is gonna is gonna be resting on. That's the instep. So it's kind of like the uh if if you're making a right angle, let's say, or if you're just stand if you're standing normally and there's basically a right angle from your toes to your shin, the the midpoint would be the that would be like the center of the instep. And that is the striking surface that you would want to be applying let's say to a a groin strike or a front kick with the instep so it's important in terms of the sustainability of the striking weapons to not to to, to mention that because a front kick can be depending on your level of skill it can just be the toes or it can be curling the toes or curling, not curling, but um, pointing the toes back and, 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 and literally striking with the heel of the front kick if you, if you have that trained and that ability. But that's typically at a, like a taekwondo high kick sportive angle. So a front kick unless you're on the ground which which then changes the dynamic but let's say this is for standing purposes you're training from us from um th these are all two th these are all striking weapons where you're still on your feet that that should be that that would be implicit in training this face to face but i should say there is a, a whole list of of um separate fighting modalities that obviously are omitted from this for the reason that this is the this is the deploying striking weapons 101 basic striking weapons this is not grappling this is not trapping this is not ground fighting this is all of those things which are essential auxiliary uh, modules to train but for the sake of this um, discrete set of striking weapons from head to toe, then it's it, because I'm doing this verbally and this is actually good for me. This is the first time that I have done this without having the privilege and the luxury of doing it face to face where now I'm realizing, oh, actually there's, there's, there, there's nuance that, that is uh, being that I'm discovering and speaking of it only verbally, which is that, yeah, 
in describing the utility and the sort of primacy of front kicks with the instep, that that rule is is in, is inverted, or it is um, it's it it's uh, the nuance that there's nuance to that rule if you are training from the ground, at which point kicking to the groin from the ground or kicking to the kneecaps from the ground in a front snap kick sort of manner is going to put the heel um, front out out front um, more so than the toes. Anyway, that's <laughs> that's something for me to put in my notes. Um, and also, yeah, a, a visual a visual to behold, but trying to keep this simple from a standing your ground upright fighting on your feet enumeration of these striking weapons then to go with the principle of deploying kicks typically below the belt line because the the risk of basically unfortunately as much as the movies make all the high fancy kicks look very beautiful and very stunning the probability the risk reward and probability of getting that high kick um apprehended and therefore you being thrown off balance or basically being trapped having your high kick be be dodged or trapped the risk of how vulnerable you become and how exposed you become with your leg that far up unless it's a sport where that is sort of the point and you're not really grappling per se and you're just sort of for taekwondo or karate's sake it's not about grappling it's about throwing these these strokes or these strikes um and they're they're fighting fair according to all these rules whereas if you're fighting on the street for your life the last thing you want to do is um overextend or or be risky or be like take a tool from a martial art and apply it to martial science or apply it from from a sportive context to a street context that was something that Bruce Lee was very adamant about was like the longest weapon to the nearest target and Whereas, of course, it makes sense to train. He said, for combat, you better train your, your whole body. So it's not that you don't know how to or you don't train in high, in high kicks, but that is more, that's not the first thing I'm going to teach somebody. I'm going to teach them the fundamentals that to, to kick below the belt and use the instep 
versus the toes and, and strike the groin with the instep and, and train the, the front snap kick with the, with the striking surface being the instep and targeting the groin. That's the most sustainable, basic, fundamental tool to train. And all the other nuances of hook kicks and crescent kicks and spin kicks and angles of the blade and all the, I mean, all that stuff is, is secondary and is mostly sportive and should, should be considered um, auxiliary in training to these fundamentals. So that's why I, I strip it down to the fundamental most practical everyone should know this everyone should train this and it doesn't require um being able to touch your toes or bend over backwards or do the splits or anything you know um or have a great balance or anything this is just instep striking surface snap front kick to the groin that's that simple as that and then the next weapon which would be the side kick or the the blade kick if you will you're using the 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 side of the bottom of the foot not the bottom of the foot but basically the side not the side of the foot but the ridge where the bottom and the and the side of the foot meet and making a sort of bladed weapon and that is something you would snap out to the side typically targeting the kneecap or whatever is available, but that's obviously less of a uh, appropriate um, angling of the foot. You would, yeah, the the snapping the sidekick out to the groin is gonna be is probably gonna the angle of the foot is probably gonna stop you from following through into the groin and make and you would be stopping at the hips at that point. So. Typically, front front instep snap kick to the groin, and then side side kick or blade kick to an approaching kneecap. That would be. I mean, you can kick. You can you you can kick anything with that side kick, and you will have um, a lot of force and a lot of. Um, density that will be resistant to fatigue and resistant to injury but the most appropriate deployment the most effective deployment of that sidekick angle is at a low angle and towards the kneecap which actually was in bruce lee's history of street fighting which he had lots of street fighting experience growing up as as he was in gang fights in hong kong um but then as he, after he developed, once he started teaching Kung Fu and then developing and then teaching Jeet Kune Do, which was his own sort of um, postmodern uh, cross-cultural uh, and philosophical application of many different martial arts and sciences, outside of the film industry and training, he, he to, to, to uh, the knowledge of historians of his, of his fighting career, he only uh, had to to deploy all of his training in real life outside of training, outside of the film uh, set, 
in a real street fight only once um, after having, you know, after being considered like the most formidable uh, fighting man in the world, um, martial artist in the world. And that was in a situation, I believe he was uh, accosted on the street by, I guess, a potential mugger or some stranger assailant on the streets. And, uh, and he deployed his quintessential longest weapon to the nearest target. It was a, it was a sidekick to the, to the kneecap. And um, that gave him the ability to escape and and it was dissuasive enough. Uh, I don't know now if I remember the details. If it if if the individual was was dropped to the ground or or left limping or what the consequence was. But the point being, his most uh, prescribed, um, most important um, primary attack tool would be like it's more the optimal and the 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 most tactical and optimal tool to deploy that is exemplifying the principle of longest weapon to nearest target like it should be if you're paying attention you're, you're practicing situational awareness hopefully and you've done your training so that you never have to use any other tool other than a low sidekick to the kneecap, the advancing kneecap, and that you don't have to potentially risk getting your arms and hand strikes grabbed. You don't have to engage at a, at a, at a closer um, range of being within arm's reach, that someone is approaching you and they're focused on their hands and what they want to do with their hands, and they don't even at all expect or in a not in a, in a bladed stance or any way for mo- in most cases are they are they tactically preparing for you to deploy a low sidekick to their kneecap that they're just totally oblivious to and then bam they're immobilized and you can run and you didn't you were never within arm's reach at that point that's the whole point of that Okay, so that covers the sidekick. And then the last weapon is the last weapon for the, for the purpose of this system going from head to toe. This micro system is the heel stomp, which you would typically apply to the toes. Generally, let's say if you were being, um, if you were being bear hugged and restrained from behind, then imagine a um, then you could stomp to the toes, the heel stomp, right? And this is something we would train very carefully because you don't want to just put all your force and 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 weight like on the concrete. You could injure yourself that way. So we would we would use the we would set the the the, the focus mitt down on the ground so you could kick and stomp into that pad. And um, it's better to train, obviously, in sand or and the grass or whatever. Um, but that's, there's not much to, there's not much to, to uh, not much more nuance to that. However, you can deploy the heel in a, in a sort of um, a backwards hook kick 
So if, for example, if you're being held from behind, you could throw, you could raise your knee and then, and then strike with the, the heel, not in a stomping motion, but sort of a, 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 a swinging hook motion up against, um, up into the groin of an attacker directly behind you. That's one example. But the, obviously the heel of the foot is like the heel of the palm. You can do a lot of damage and you don't have as, as much of a range of motion with that as you do with your arm. But, uh, but it's great, again, for stomping. And then worth noting, be careful what you're stomping on the ground. If it's someone's head, you better be prepared to justify that degree of force in a court of law. Um, and I'm not going to go further into that discussion, but certainly stomping on someone's toes that's typically the circumstance where you're going to be deploying that is someone's grabbing you and you're trying to from whatever angle or they could be approaching you from whatever angle and you're using the stomp uh carefully to apply that that blunt weapon to 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 the vulnerable the instep or the toes or or wherever else whatever else happens to be to be on the ground uh but uh yes you can stomp any target but the closer you get to the head the more legal jeopardy you have to be worried about um and the more medical consequences there are going to be so with that said that covers that whole head to toe system and um this was yeah what this this isn't uh This is this would be the first time I've I've tried to enumerate and articulate this without without actually going through and teaching it one by one. But but the cool thing, I mean, for one, for me, this was good. Help me think through uh, some blind spots that I hadn't considered, and then um, obviously what's lacking, having shared this verbally, is 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 the real magic that comes together when you after you after you you teach all of these all of these um deployment of these striking surfaces these striking weapons the magic is when you then you get to hold the pad at all of the different ranges and heights and angles so that the student then has the experience of learning to intuit the most appropriate of all of the weapons that they just learned the most appropriate application given the the target that's facing them the angle of the target the 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 proximity of the target the range and even the rate and the angle of approach and whatnot so you go from from explaining what the what the what the um what the weapon is and then and then holding the pad directly in the, in in the position that that uh, that exact that exact uh, weapon with the instruction of that exact angle is going to go to. So you're kind of like feeding feeding the target to them, and going through all these weapons from head to toe. And then by the end of them learning that learning all of those by the end of feeding them the target to all of those weapon striking angles then you get into the dance and then 
you 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 know what to, you know what to um, what you want to elicit from your um, from from where you're placing the the target the the pad. Uh, you know what you you know what you want to elicit from them as far as the angle the tool, the striking tool and the angle of it, but you're no longer instructing them, and it's no longer um, just a, a still target. It's actually dynamic and flowing. So what's beautiful and magical is to watch them evolve, and to then intuit and develop the confidence that they know. Oh, w- w- approaching at that angle. I know I have this much time to either use a long target or or a long weapon or a short weapon, meaning a strike of the hand or a strike of the elbow or or a, a kick with the foot versus a knee, and all of those very much like in the scene with Karate Kid where he learns what wax on and wax off means and sand the floor and paint the fence, where it all comes together for him. That's the beauty that I'm talking about where you get into the dance and then all of a sudden they're intuitively deploying perfectly, intuitively, and then they feel very confident and then they fall in love with what they have just discovered, which is that now they can deploy themselves in all these different ways. They're now a Swiss army knife of self-defense and... um and they didn't have to get a black belt to do that. And for the most part, they're going to be generally very safe and very sustainable um, in deploying these basic weapons. And they're not going to be um, doing anything where where they're going to um, where where any of these tools or any of these weapons, striking techniques, that they they could be. Um, giving you a false sense of confidence because really it takes years and years and years to master the nuance of them that's not that the whole point is that these are very rapid training cycle rapid deployment cycle and everything beyond this yeah you could master all of the nuances of all of the um the more refined tactics that require more skill and mastery but when it comes down to the gross motor movements and being adrenalized and being in fight or flight these are these are the weapons that I really think if you were if you I wouldn't I wouldn't do this for training purposes, but at least conceptually to think about like the idea of being adrenalized, like people think, oh, I'll, I'll never, I'll never lose my ability to do all kinds of fancy wrist locks and all kinds of fancy grappling trap, trapping, grappling techniques, you know, all this really fancy, um, um, all these really fancy techniques. Um, well, <laughs> for the person who would be so cocky that they never think that they could lose that they would be dropped down into a gross motor skill, like gross blunt movement sort of um, uh, state that, uh, <laughs> like, imagine imagine just falling into a frozen lake and barely crawling out and then having to fight for your life at that point. Like, you can barely, like they say, you know you have frostbite if you can't, 
even close your fist, like you can't bring your fingers together, that's when you know frostbite is setting in, not just frost nip, as they say. But if you can, without doing that, I'm not saying to go do that, but if you can imagine that feeling of, 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 um, of being so cold <laughs> that that you that you're almost you you're, you 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 have frostbite or you're on are you're on the edge of like losing those fine motor skills i certainly know even recently i know that felt like like i had to i had to urinate and i was on the edge of frostbite and i'm like oh no i can't even i can't even take my belt off I don't have the I, I'm I'm at a gross motor movement where where like I just have nubs now and not fingers to work with, so th- those are extreme examples. But it's worth noting again that uh, these weapons and the way that 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 me and my colleagues develop them, it was about elegance, simplicity, and universality and deployability in a gross motor state and an adrenalized state so with that said yeah i would drop a couple of other this is something i'll probably talk about another time but um but i I would just want to mention it here as a sort of uh to be continued in in terms of sustainable sustainable weaponization of the human body tactics this kind of goes beyond that again in the modules of ground fighting and and um and edged weapons and stick fighting and whatnot but but i just want to throw out a couple of uh of just to be continued notes here is that in as I was developing what I considered to be risk mitigating training tactics uh, and methods, actually of all things, pillow fighting, where you make a sort of mace or ball and chain out of stuffing a pillow into the pillowcase and then winding it up so you have this, um, like a like a cue ball and a sock, but a very a very nerfed and and softer much softer more and much safer training training method uh training weapon is just yeah take your 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 standard your standard pillow stuff it into the into that pillowcase mash it mash it up and then wind up the rest of that pillowcase so that you have this weapon that you can then practice all of the striking angles that you would use in stick fighting or or sword fighting or with literally a ball and chain or a a mace Um, and then you can really get into the the leveraging of these the next level of the body mechanics and the footwork and all that stuff was more advanced jeet kune do footwork building off of techniques from boxing and fencing and whatnot but um but I just got to throw it out there because it'll it's worthy of a whole nother episode. I'll probably get into it when we did this open source martial arts collective for a time where we would bring we would 
we would invite people to come in and and share uh, share tools and, and and tactics that they learned from whatever schools that they've been training in. But uh, yeah, pillow fighting, like making a mace like weapon for pillow fighting was great for for really being able to get into full force application and training the footwork techniques and then other things like um, te- using tennis balls to be able to have a tennis ball fight where everyone is if you can do it in a way where you don't lose track of all of them you have some sort of containment within fencing or whatnot. Um, and you can unleash all, all, unleash a bunch of tennis balls obviously using eye protection and then just go nuts I think those were some of the best times of my life <laughs> playing cover and concealment tennis ball tennis ball brawl um, with a group of people in a, in a backyard we call it open source martial arts but it was like someday you know these could could be rocks that you're deploying to save your life Um, but we're training all of these different angles and all of this all these fulcrums and all these body mechanics because the ballistics of throwing tennis balls um, something you you know you 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 never you would never want to neglect training and it's something you probably wouldn't do in almost any martial arts studio. Like, oh, train train you to throw anything. But in 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 thinking through self defense scenarios, thinking through survival tactics, yeah, you're gonna want to be very good with hand eye coordination and, and 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 so if you have not just throwing it at a, at a at a target that you put on the wall but you have a group of people where they're basically pelting each other like a snowball fight right like a group snowball fight but year round with tennis balls and a little bit of eye protection and uh you have the time of your life and it's great fitness it's a great workout it's like combative racquetball or something but but yeah that that was a great one so just one last thing I will throw out there, I guess two last things I'll throw out there in my from my peak of my Jeet Kune Do um training years was like I I adapted a uh I adapted a punching bag and then basically from the from the hook that I was hanging that punching bag from I also strung up a pulley a pulley system where the rope that went across the pulleys it terminated into um sort of back-to-back sets of focus mitts so basically i had this um if you can imagine almost like imagine like a tether ball imagine like if you had tether ball where you had two balls instead of one coming off of that tether ball uh pole and that they were that that they were on a pulley and that and that instead of the pole of that tether ball you had a punching bag and so you had basically these uh this free floating pulley system 
terminating in these two uh, sets of striking pads. So what I was able to do is while I'm in a flurry of, of punches and kicks and knees and elbows to the um, to the punching bag, you have this flailing experience of a, of, of a rope that's uh, moving across the pulley so that you can you can be dragging and pulling and flying and throwing these 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 mitts out so they're basically like you're simulating strikes coming at you almost like now the punching bag has come to life and the punching bag hits back because you're using gravity and momentum and um and the the, the sort of uh like you can you can get these focus mitts on the ends of a rope going across a pulley to take on a life of their own and you can practice grabbing them and trapping them striking them and having a flurry of strikes going not just at the punching bag but also parrying meaning sort of um not full blunt strikes but 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 a parrying is in sort of like a a soft block to deflect the angle of a of an attacker's um, uh, weapon strike against you. So yeah, the, I'm, I'm getting into the weeds here a bit, but I will just I just want to add that here if I don't get back to it soon. Interesting ways that you can embellish the normal, very mind numbing experience of fight of of fighting a punching bag. There's ways that you can add a lot of flair to that with a pulley, a rope, and some focus mitts to where now you're really talking about multiple angles and a lot of fun and a lot of, a lot of extra, a, a lot of extra action going on. And then, um, yeah, because it was in the, it was in the spirit of that time. The last thing I'll mention is, uh, how I literally took a log, <laughs> a section of a log that I found in the backyard that people would just use to sit on around the fire pit. And I, and I repurposed that log and I went to the hardware store and I got the sort of, um, the one inch pipe fittings and I got one inch pipe, several lengths of one inch pipe. And then the, um, the base that you would screw those into. And I basically created my own Wing Chun style wooden man or wooden dummy with um not perfect not wasn't the perfect angles wasn't the perfect the perfect um implementation but it was an approximation that gave me similar angles where i was able to train the the sort of trapping and the striking and building up the resilience of the the backhand and the forearms and really being able to deliver maximum um force and developing a lot of uh, a lot of um, resilience with uh, with with the bones. Again, this is this this gets more advanced, and this is not stuff you would teach just anybody and have anybody just do. But because I'm here, this is definitely more of a like a, like the advertisement, not the advertisement, but the the back of the catalog sort of thing. Make your own wooden dummy kit. You know, like <laughs> that's what I'm going off into here a little bit. Your yeah, how to how to train ballistics with uh, a can of tennis balls. These are sort of the 
the end of the end of the comic book little fascinations little um <laughs> classifieds but but worth noting here is that you, yeah you can be very in a DIY ethic you can be very extensible with these concepts and you can build a lot of training tools on a low budget with no excuse and no very little basically not let lack of of funds lack of financial resources or lack of access to to training partners or to masters to train you it's about if no matter what no matter what no matter how rich or poor or social or antisocial or whatever you are you have your body you have all these surfaces on your body that you can learn to apply and there's much more to say about delivering force and body mechanics and training the fulcrums and getting getting twisting at the angles and building charge from the from the from the ground up through your through 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 the way you twist your heel and then like basically the way you were trained and taught to swing a baseball bat all the like building up a charge across all these fulcrums before you deliver the strike or the way a pitcher is going to wind up uh, for baseball all those body mechanics those are all things that, that you would apply to all these striking surfaces but with all that said hopefully this is a uh it's an impetus for you to go out and and develop these skills and hopefully with a training partner who will hold that pad for you if possible if not do it do it in front of a mirror or do it with a punching bag or do it with a pillow or whatever you can <laughs> whatever you can now you know if you didn't already know and even if you were trained in all kinds of systems they may not have really emphasized this core curriculum of of striking combatives that uh could save your life and probably should be prioritized in training so that you're very ex- you're, you're very you fall back on them in an adrenalized state you could fall back on them if you just yeah if you just felt if you just climbed out of a out of a frozen lake uh, or if you're terrified for whatever reason, or if you're drunk, or if you have a head injury, you would just be able to deploy these elbows and knees and sidekicks and etc. etc. So, with that said, cheers.